by Govanen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. And one of the most famous lines from Tolkien that's not part of his stories, of course, is his line about allegory. He says he cordially dislikes allegory in all its forms and always has done so since he became old and wary enough to detect its presence. He much prefers history, real or feigned, and its varied applicability, which one allegory lies in the purpose domination of the author and the other in the freedom of the reader. Few words, perhaps, by any author in explanation of his own work have been more misappropriated and misapplied. A lot of people seem to think that this applicability as opposed to allegory is actually licensed to give freewheeling interpretation to the meaning of Tolkien's story in ways that Tolkien, I don't think, would have intended. So what I want to do in this video is explain what exactly Tolkien is distinguishing here when it comes to allegory and applicability, and to what extent that applies to the interpretation of his story. Now, of course, it does bear on the interpretation of the story, and it does have something to do with the meaning of the story, but what what exactly is the limit of that is what I want to look at here. So, the first thing to take account of here is the words themselves. Now, the context of this phrase is he's writing a foreword to the second edition of The Lord of the Rings, and several lines earlier he begins to talk about the idea of the the story having a message, and he says... As for any inner meaning or message, it has in the intention of the author none. It is neither allegorical nor topical. As the story grew, it put down roots into the past and threw out unexpected branches, but its main theme was settled from the outset by the inevitable choice of the ring as the link between it and the hobbit. And he says in another place, I forget exactly where, that the story is about nothing other than itself. It's just, it's just a story. Now... Allegory, of course, we have to understand is not not just what Tolkien refers to as the purpose domination of the author. Allegory has a very specific meaning in literature. An allegory is a story in which the author chooses its specific characters, places, events, whatever, to represent either real-world people, places, and events, or ideals, concepts, things of this nature. The classic example of allegory that I always refer back to is John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress, in which the allegory is so completely and utterly blatant that you can't miss it if you tried, because all of the characters are literally named for the thing that they represent. There is a one-to-one -one correlation for every character in that story. The main character's name is Christian. He represents the average Christian. One of the people he meets along the way is named Faith. He represents Faith at its you know peak, uttermost value. There's a giant named Despair. There's a woman named Charity. I mean... You cannot miss the allegory because Bunyan literally throws it in your face. There are stories that are less allegorical, or less obviously allegorical, that are still allegories, but the point of the allegory is this one-to-one -one correspondence between 
characters, places, events in the fictional story and something in the real world, whether that thing in the real world is some concept like the idea of faith or a particular character or person or particular place, particular event, whatever it is. So then the question becomes, what is applicability? Well, a lot of people seem to think that you can take the applicability of The Lord of the Rings and turn that into the story can have as many meanings as you want it to. And by meanings, I don't mean meaning in the sense of what Tolkien is referring to as allegory or topical. This line tends to get thrown out by people who are having arguments about what their interpretation of certain things in the story is. And I'm not talking about whether they mean a specific thing so much as, and I hate to use this example, but this seems to be the most common one, are Frodo and Sam homosexual, gay? I mean, that that's a very common one. If you argue with anybody about this, and I've had arguments with people about this, they will often refer back to this line saying, but Tolkien left it to the freedom of the reader. It's, a, it's applicability. Applicability does not mean freewheeling interpretation to imagine whatever you want out of the story. Applicability has to do with something a lot more specific, which is a lot more mirror image of allegory. And I'll explain why. So, applicability could be applied in a context involving something like gay relationships by saying the kind of relationship that Frodo and Sam have, whatever it is, gives you a good idea of the kind of love two people have for each other, which is applicable to any kind of loving relationship. Whether that be, you know, just friends, a husband and wife, a, you know, two gay people who are in love with each other, whatever it is, those kinds of behaviors and the way that they feel about each other are applicable to good relationships of any of those kinds. That is one way in which you could apply Frodo and Sam's relationship to gay relationships. It does not mean that you get to look at Frodo and Sam's relationship and say, well, I think they're gay and the applicability that Tolkien said is there means I can just say that and it works. No, there's either a concrete answer or there's not. My argument, of course, is that they are not, and I think that's true because of a number of reasons, which I won't get into here, but there's no explicit answer in any of Tolkien's works, really, so you can't say that one side or the other could ever prove its case. I just happen to think the evidence falls on the no category, and a lot of people think it happens to fall on the yes category. But whether or not the story is allegory or applicability has nothing to do with the answer to the question, is really the point I'm getting at here. So, what is applicability? I come back to this question. Applicability is the idea that you can look at the story and see some aspect of a character or a thematic thing within the context of the plot or how people behave, and you can apply that in various ways to many different aspects of the real world. 
One example that I like of this personally is the character of Saruman. Saruman is not an allegory for any particular person. So one of the famous ideas that people had shortly after World War II when this you know, book came out originally was that the, the story as a whole was an allegory for World War II and the ring was the bomb and you know, Sauron was Hitler and maybe Saruman was, you know, either Mussolini or the, the Japanese emperor or whatever. Saruman is none of those people. But Saruman as a character archetype could be applied to many such people. And he could be applied to many people who are not even that specific. Saruman to me is much more useful as a as a way of comparing, say, just politicians in general, politicians love to talk a good game about how what they want is for the greater good, when all the while they're really just seeking their own gain, and this is Saruman to a T. Saruman has this idea, or at least seems to think he has this idea, that what he is seeking is the ultimate good of Middle-earth. He wants knowledge, rule, and order, as he tells Gandalf. But he has fooled himself into thinking that he can achieve these good ends by doing the dastardly deed of taking the ring for himself or even allying himself with Sauron, who has the ring, and eventually maybe overthrowing Sauron, and in that way achieve their ends through you know, means that would definitely not be okay. You know, he's a classic ends justify the means character. And in this way, he really exemplifies a lot of politicians in the modern world. Now, do I think that Tolkien was specifically thinking of politicians when he created a lot of Saruman's dialogue? Maybe, but he certainly seemed to think of ways in which you could apply Saruman's dialogue and character to people in the real world, because when he gave a speech, I believe in Denmark, uh, many years after the story was written, he referred to the average man as a hobbit, and he says, I see no Saurons in the world, but I see many Saramons, or many of Saramon's descendants, or I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, and I don't even remember what the source of this quote was, I, I can't remember where I read it, but the idea is he is applying the idea of Saruman to many different people in the world that he sees, you know, extant in the world around him. This is what applicability is. Applicability is not, I get to interpret any given thing in the story in any way I please because there's nothing hard and fast about Tolkien's world. No, that's, that's really not how that works. Tolkien, when he talks about applicability, is not saying whatever you want to find in the story can be in the story. I mean, that's a very death-of-the-author approach as opposed to an um, authorial intent approach, and I don't know that Tolkien necessarily had a view on that whole debate. I've done a video on that, and I'll link to that in the description below, but one thing that does seem certain is that Tolkien had a fairly high regard for making the story consistent, and not only that, but even in adaptation, he wanted 
some level of respect for the original source such that you don't destroy its you know main themes and whatever very famously whenever he had one offer to make an animated movie out of the lord of the rings he complained about many many aspects of it and one of them was why are the eagles constantly like picking up the fellowship and then just flying them to the next adventure that's not really you know now does this change the plot in any meaningful way not really it's not exactly an interpretation of the story but it shows the degree to which tolkien cared about you know you can't just change the nature of the story just to fit a different medium he even said surely the the basic tenets of storytelling don't change that much from medium to medium just because it's a movie doesn't mean you should radically alter the way the story goes so interpretation and this this is where the word interpretation really needs to be clarified i think too interpretation is a word that gets very loosely used a lot whether or not frodo and sam have a relationship beyond that of master servant and later friend is not so much a matter of interpretation as it is inference. Interpretation usually has the idea of determining somebody else's intent through either translation, so you can interpret a foreign language, or through clues that are left by the author or speaker or whoever it is that are not explicit but nevertheless point in a direction. So finding allegory in a non-explicit allegory, in other words, one not like the Pilgrim's Progress, is a matter of interpretation. I don't think the question of whether Frodo and Sam have a particular kind of relationship is so much a matter of interpretation as it is just what what is the, what is the story telling us? Is it, you know, I mean, you can use the word interpretation for that, but I think that's kind of a really loose not te terribly accurate way of using that word. So for purposes of this video, I'm going to use the word both ways, but I'm going to try to make sure I clarify which I'm talking about. So at one level, determining whether or not there is a hidden meaning or whether the story is topical or allegorical, as Tolkien refers to, that would be interpretation in one sense. Determining what kinds of relationships characters have that is never explicitly stated or, you know, to pick even a less controversial example, you know, we might wonder, you know, what exactly does Galadriel mean when she says that Celeborn is accounted the wisest, or the, I think she says wisest, but specifically in the context of, you know, he's the best advice giver in Middle-earth. What exactly does that mean? Because Celeborn gives very little advice in the story, and Galadriel actually seems kind of like way more important and even wise than Celeborn. You know, so we can try to interpret, quote-unquote, what she means by that in the same way that we could try to interpret, you know, what kinds of relationships different characters have. Like I said, I don't think technically that's really interpretation. I think that's just, you know, trying to tease out elements of the story that are not made explicit but are not about the author's intent to to derive a meaning. Interpretation should technically always be about meaning, but whatever. So at the end of the day, what is applicability and how does it work versus this? 
the applicability is about taking those kinds of things like Saruman's archetypal, archetypal nature and seeing how that applies in the real world in some way. You could do this with any number of people. Denethor is another kind of pol politician archetype, you could, you could say, who is not like Saruman, but nevertheless represents a certain kind of, you know, politician that you don't necessarily want. He's kind of like a, you know, a corrupted but not completely ends justifies the means person who's got power and is trying to fight evil but has reached the point of not really being a good guy himself. Now, how do I know that this is what Tolkien means by applicability? Two reasons. First, applicability versus allegory. He distinguishes those two things and puts them on opposite poles. Why would you do that unless the two had some kind of real connection? So, when he says that it's not allegorical, I prefer history with its applicability. The applicability is an opposite of allegory in the sense that the allegory is the purposed domination of the author. I am putting this meaning into the story, and that is the meaning that I want you to get out of it, versus... These are meanings that you can draw from the story based on your particular context. So, the applicability of the story to somebody who reads it in China in the 1970s might be very different from somebody who reads it in modern-day America in the 2020s. Because they're thinking of different people, different events, different histories, different all kinds of different things inform how you're going to take that story and apply it to different things. So, a person who reads it in 1970s China might apply Saruman to some political figure in China, whereas somebody in 2020s America might apply Saruman to a different political figure in America, or, you know, anywhere in the world. But, I mean, you're going to most naturally think of people who are present in the news that are known to you, right? So, that's one way in which that's different. But the idea is not so much that it's, you know, you can just choose what the story is about or choose how you read different things in the story. It's just about this is the story, and then you have to take that and say, well, how can I apply that to the real world? Not how does the author want me to apply that to the real world, but rather how can I apply this to the real world and see the same kinds of things in the story in the real world. The other major clue here is not just the opposition of allegory and applicability, but the fact that Tolkien refers to history. And he says history real or feigned, right? So history, real history, is the events that actually happened in the past. I don't get to interpret, you know, whether a particular individual in the past had you know, a particular kind of relationship with somebody else. We either know from history or we don't. We either have evidence from history or we don't. More importantly, I don't get to interpret, you know, things that happen in history. The history happened. It happened a certain way. And there may be points at which we have to draw inferences, and our inferences may be based on relatively little circumstantial evidence, in which case we are interpreting in that second loose sense what happened in history. 
but again, I think this is really more not a question of interpretation as it is just deriving as much, you know, con as many conclusions as you can from the minimal evidence that you have about whatever it is you're trying to find out. Some of it may be important, some of it may be unimportant. Like, do we really care if Washington actually chopped down a cherry tree? Probably not. I mean, it probably never happened. It could have, but is it really important whether or not it did? No, but you might still be interested in the answer just because, you know, maybe you like that sort of thing. But it's not a question of interpretation in that first and primary sense of, well, I just get to make the story, what you know, I get to change the meaning of history. You can't do that. And you can't really even interpret history in the second sense in a freewheeling manner. You either have evidence to support a conclusion or you don't. It's not about choosing to find what you want in history. That's not how history works. History actually happened. It happened a certain way. And sometimes we just don't know enough information to find out exactly how or why it happened. But we know that it did anyway. Now, the reason this distinction is important is because Tolkien says he's writing a feigned history. So again, he's connecting this idea to, he's contrasting this idea, rather, to allegory. I don't like allegory. What I like is history, true or feigned, or real or feigned. Feigned history, then, is he's just telling a story, a history, right? The tale of the Lord of the Rings is the history of the War of the Ring and other events as seen by the hobbits. That's what it is. It's a history. It's a fictional history. Nevertheless, it's a history. And in that sense, it is something that is not open to interpretation. It is something that fictionally happened in a certain way, and to that extent, we are not free to just look at it and say, well, I think that this, 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 this is true, because that's just what I like and what I prefer to find in the story. You know, it's not about doing that. It's about, here's what the actual story says, here are the inferences you could logically draw from it, and this explains what he means by allegory versus applicability, because what he's saying is history, even in its real sense, could be applied to various things in the real world. So we look at major historical figures, say, going back to the George Washington example, right? If we look at George Washington, the cherry tree example, he is an example of a person that would you would want to emulate, that you would want to Look for people like that in your own time to be, you know, the leaders of your political state, right? And this is why, by the way, there's a city in Ohio in the United States called Cincinnati. Cincinnatus was a Roman general who, much like Washington, was given the command of the army in a really desperate situation, and he won a great victory, and the Roman people offered him basically to become emperor. This was before the emperors got started under Julius Caesar. Cincinnatus turned it down and went back to his farm and said, mm, I don't want that. I'm going to just go live my life. Washington then became the American Cincinnatus. This is a primary perfect example 
of what Tolkien is talking about with applicability. There's this historical example, a real historical person named Cincinnatus, and his theme, his archetype, his whatever, has been applied to Washington, which can be further applied to more and more people into the future as we go forward. This is what Tolkien is talking about with applicability, and this is how we know what he's talking about with applicability, because he's comparing the idea of allegory versus history and how history has applicability. If true history has applicability, and that's what he wants his story to be, this is the kind of applicability we have to be looking for. Now, do we have examples in history that we could say might have inspired Frodo and Sam? Yeah, we sure do, because we have Tolkien's own you know, remarks about Sam being a Batman and how it reflected his own experience of Batman in his service in World War One. So we know that there is applicability there, and in a way that is not related to a, you know, a romantic relationship with Frodo. So this is how we can tell when Tolkien is talking about applicability, he's talking about this kind of applicability. He's not talking about, you can just make the story whatever you want in your own head. I don't care. That, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that you can look at characters and events and places and things and make connections with other real things, but they are not one-to-one corresponded with any one particular event, place, or thing. That's what he's talking about. It's a varied applicability. Frodo and Sam's relationship could be applied to many officers and Batman in World War I, or further similar relationships going down further into history. But they do not represent just Tolkien's own relationship with his own Batman, with, you know, whoever that was. I don't think his name was Sam, despite what the Tolkien biopic <laughs> seems to imply. Uh, so, this is how we know what... Tolkien really meant by applicability. And this is why that term and Tolkien's comments about it have no bearing on any debates about anything in the story. If you want to try to draw inferences from the story about the way things are happening or what's really going on that is not explicitly stated, you can do that with whatever evidence you can come up with. It's just the line about applicability is not a license for freewheeling, again, loosely, interpretation of the story. The story, the interpretation you draw out of the story either has evidence for it or it does not. Tolkien's comments about applicability have nothing to do with how sound your inferences are, and they do not give you freewheeling right to just, in, you know, quote-unquote, interpret it any way you please. That's not what that's about. So, and I'm not trying to pick on the people who think that Frodo and Sam are gay here. Again, that's just the example that I use because that's where this line seems to get pulled the most often, and I don't know why. Um, but it gets pulled in other contexts too, I'm sure. My point here is solely to show if somebody tries to use that line on you in an argument about you know, what, what's really going on in The Lord of the Rings or anything else written by Tolkien, 
you know, this this is a good resource for showing, no, applicability does not mean you just get to make up whatever you want, and it doesn't mean that I'm no more right than you are. That's That's not what that's about. Tolkien is not saying... All interpretations are valid. That That's really not what that means, okay? It means something very specific, and we can tell that from the opposition of applicability to allegory and its connection to history, real or feigned. So that is why that word, applicability, is you know being abused by a lot of people. So whether or not you come across any of these people or, you know, that... It doesn't matter, but I don't want anybody out there thinking that applicability means that you can just go and think whatever the heck you want about Tolkien's story. That's not what it's about. So I hope you enjoyed this. hope it explained the difference between allegory and applicability in a way that helps you really make it a little more concrete in your mind. Because I think a lot of people have a mistaken view of what it is. If this does help you, you know, give it a like, share it around, to, especially with people who may also be confused. Subscribe to the channel if you want to get more stuff about Tolkien, anything related to Tolkien. I'm on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey. I've also got podcast versions. You can also find me at Twitter at JRRTLore, where I drop occasional Tolkien-related trivia questions. And you can support me over at Patreon. Until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore channel. Namariye.